Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for your word. I thank you that the uh, entrance of your word gives light. Father, I ask you that tonight that you would help us to make course corrections and change us, not just challenge us. Father, I thank you for utterance. I submit myself to the Holy Spirit. Father, if I mess it up in the saying, I thank you for fixing it in the hearing before it gets downrange. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Conscience Part 6. Now, this one, it'll get kind of interesting on us here in a minute. Uh, we're talking about a seared conscience tonight. Seared. But we'll, we'll back up and get a running head start. And uh, a couple of people this week told me that I need to repeat things. So if, if I repeat them, it's because I'm listening to all those good folks that told me to do it. So First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 14. You with me, Manny? All right, yeah. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 10. This is where we're jumping off. It says this. There are, it may be so... Many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Now, when we came out of the birth canal, ever since we were born, right, we've either been pushed or pulled, driven or led by outside voices. Right? It usually starts with our mama and daddy, but they got it from culture and society. Right? And that's what all TV commercials about and print ads. Everybody, everybody's trying to get their voice heard. They're trying to get you to do something. Okay? Now, we saw over the last couple of weeks that if it's a loud voice, and not all of them are audible, right? Okay, not every voice that you hear in your mind is audible, because that chair, like I said, will start talking to you after a little while. Okay, how many? If everybody, anybody lost power, their house started talking to them last night about two in the morning, saying it's cold. It did. Amen. So, but anyway, if the voice is loud, you'll listen to it. Right? If it's persistent, you'll listen to it. And if it's urgent, you'll listen to it. Those are like the three things that will really get your attention. If it's loud, it's persistent, and it's urgent. And we said the pain really hits on all three of those at one time. But the thing that will override pain is fear every time. Anybody ever watch bull riding? Those guys get jacked up. Bang! You know, they just got skewered and stomped on. They're hurting. But when that bull come around for another pass, you watch how fast they get up and move, even though they got broken everything. Right? And then they're bleeding out. Because fear override pain. Now, does everybody understand that we are a spirit and that we have a soul and we live in a body? Everybody with me on that? Okay. Uh, your mind or your soul receives all the outside voices. It's your receiver for every voice. Every voice that you hear in the world, every outside voice, your mind is the receiver. You'll receive it in your mind. There's only one voice that your mind will not receive, and that's the voice of God. Because God's a spirit, and he'll only talk to you through your spirit. So what, what, what are you talking about? What's that, why is that a big deal? Because conscience is the voice of your spirit. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. So God will talk to your spirit, and then your spirit will talk to your mind. So if you want to know what God's saying, you've got to get it through your spirit or through your conscience. That's the only way you can hear what he's saying. Okay, go to Romans 2. In verse 14, it says this. For when Gentiles, or folks that have been brought up in church, who don't have the law, by nature do the things that are in the law... These, although not having it, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So what happened is folks that never brought up in church, they didn't know really right to do right from wrong or do their checklist, right? Don't cuss, smoke, drink, or chew, go out with those who do. They didn't know that checklist. But when they got born again, what happened was in their spirit or their conscience would tell their mind, well, don't do that or do this one. That's what bearing witness does. Bearing witness say, you know, that's not the right thing to do now. Don't do that one. Um, this is the right thing to do. Do this one. Okay, so that's all conscience is. And we saw that conscience was only found in the New Testament. It was never available under the Old Testament. So if we aren't using our conscience, we're really messing up because folks in the Old Testament, they didn't even have a shot at using their conscience. 
They couldn't hear the voice of their spirit because their spirit was dead. Okay? And so conscience is the voice of your human spirit. And we saw that there is two kinds of conscience, good and evil. Right? And uh, good conscience is this. It's the voice of the born-again human spirit. When you accept Jesus, your spirit becomes alive unto God, and then you have a good conscience. Good conscience. And it means this in the Greek. Good is noble. It's honorable. It affects the mind agreeably and comforting and brings peace. Say peace. You ever hear that peace of mind? That comes from a good conscience. You ever hear this with people? Like, oh, I can sleep good at night. I can, see, I can look at myself in the mirror by having clean living. You ever hear that? What they're talking about is having a clean, a clean conscience or a good conscience. Okay? And then look what it says. It's also what? Confirming and bears witness. Now, if a witness is in the courtroom, they're there to talk, right? So what your conscience will do, it'll, it'll bear witness. It'll tell you, yeah, this is a good thing, or no, that's not a good thing. This is the right thing, and that's not the right thing. Okay? Now, it's not just doing good stuff and bad stuff. It'll tell you what the right thing is for you. It'll tell you which restaurant to eat at, because if you went to eat at one and said, don't do it because you'll get food poisoning there, and you didn't listen to it, and you got food poisoning, don't go, well, why'd God let me, let me get food poisoning? I thought there was healing in Jesus. No, because he tried to tell you, and then you didn't listen to it, and you went and ate jack-in-the-box tacos anyway, and then you got sick. I like jack-in-the-box tacos. Glory. All right. Now let's go to Romans 9. Romans 9 and verse 1. Romans 9 and verse 1. Apostle Paul says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Now let me throw this out there. Your mind will always deal with facts. Your mind will always tell you what the facts are. Okay? Your spirit will always tell you what the truth is. Don't get the two confused. Facts are different than truth. Because the fact might be that you are fighting off sickness, but the truth is by Jesus' stripes you've already been healed. 2,000 years ago you were healed. That's the truth. The fact might be your checkbook's empty, but the truth is that you're rich, you're very rich. Jesus became poor so that you could be rich. Okay? So, Apostle Paul says, I say the truth in Christ and I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So we see this, and bearing witness, remember what a witness does is talk, so we see this, my spirit talks with the Holy Ghost. So I want to see, here's the channel that God talks to us. How are you going to talk to God? The only way you can talk to God is through your spirit or your conscience. It's used interchangeably in the Bible. Because right now you're hearing Andrew's voice, but we would say Andrew's doing the talking. Because my voice isn't going to say anything that I don't let it say, for better or worse. Now back up a couple verses to uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. So we're now that if we want to talk to God, we have to do it out of our spirit, then look at this. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So we say the Holy Spirit is talking to us. So if the Holy Spirit's going to talk to us, He only does it through our spirit. So see that channel? It's spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. That's the only way you can communicate with God. Okay, Romans 8. And back up a couple more verses to verse 13. And look what this says here. He's talking to Christians now. This is talking to born-again people. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. He's talking about physically die. Y'all ever heard that spiritual warfare thing? Oh, there's spiritual warfare going. The only spiritual warfare that's really going, because Jesus already defeated hell and the demons. You don't have to, you know, when it says pulling down strongholds, he's talking about strongholds in your mind. Okay? So here's the battlefield. Your mind. Your flesh will always want to do one thing. Your spirit will always want to do something else. And so every, every day we have about 15 board meetings, me, my spirit, soul, and body. My body wants to do one thing. My spirit wants to do the other thing. And then my soul gets to make the deciding decision. Do I go with the flesh or do I go with the spirit? 
Now, I'm going to have to teach a little bit on this, maybe not tonight, but I'll just throw it out there, that your soul is your mind, your intellect, and your emotions. So your soul can be conflicted in which way we're going to vote. Now, you know, there's kind of like artsy people or musicians, they're usually more emotional, they feel. You ever hear somebody, they'll say, well, I feel like doing that today. Then you have your, you know, engineering folks and your architectural folks, and they think, I think I'll do that today. Okay? So... People will usually be pushed more by their emotions or one more by their intellect, okay? They'll usually have one of those dominant. So in your soul, when your soul is going to make the decision, do I go with my body or do I go with my spirit, your emotions can really trip you out because it feels. And we say, oh, I feel like doing that today. That's usually flesh feels because that's what we do with our flesh. We feel. Your mind, that's why the Bible tells us to renew our mind it doesn't say renew our emotions because your mind is what you can train to vote with your spirit. So if you're a feel-good person or you're more feeling-oriented, it's going to be harder for you to hook up with your spirit because your emotions will take you down on a trip. You'll do, you know, yay and then bad. That's that valley and mountain experience. God never meant for that to be. Emotions are fun, but let's not let them do the driving. Okay? So... I don't know how we got off on that, but anyway. So your your body will always want to do one thing. Your flesh will want to do this. Your spirit will always want to do the other thing. So that spiritual warfare is which one do we do? The spirit of the flesh, spirit of the flesh. Paul says if you live after the flesh, if you only do what your flesh says, he says you're physically going to die, physically, okay? So if your flesh just says just eat Oreo cookies and let's eat 10 million Oreo cookies, if you ate 10 million Oreo cookies right now, you'd be dead, Mary. And I'd be scraping up peanut butter dollops everywhere, thing, crumbs and milk frosted glasses, you know. So you can't always listen to your flesh because it will kill you. So what he says, he says, but if you through your spirit or your conscience, you kill off or mortify the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. Now it's automatic. See, a lot of people think that they got to put put away. I got to do that. That's that checklist. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. No. If you just listen to what your spirit says, you'll automatically not do anything that you're not supposed to do. Okay? It, it won't tell you to do something wrong. It's a byproduct of listening to your spirit. Because your spirit talks to the Holy Spirit. It ain't talking to anybody else. Your spirit cannot hear any other voice. That's the part that mixes with God's spirit, okay? Your soul will hear other voices. Your mind will hear other voices. Your emotion will hear other voices. Your spirit will only hear one voice, the Holy Spirit. It'll only hear that one if you're born again. If you're not, then your spirit's dead. It ain't hearing nothing. It's dead. All right. Let's, uh, we saw that an evil conscience, don't worry, we'll, this will clear up here in a little bit. Evil conscience is this. It's full of labors. That's what the word evil means when it's in conjunction with conscience. It's annoyances, hardships, pressed and harassed. It brings toil, causes pain and trouble. It is the voice of guilt. Guilt never comes from God. If you feel guilty about something, it's not from God. If you're feeling guilty about something, red flag should go off. There's a problem here. If it's your mama making you feel guilty, if it's you know one of your teachers are making you feel guilty about it, if it's the car salesman down the lot making you feel guilty because you brought back the lemon that he sold you last week, and you're going to steal money out of his kids if he takes his car back. No, guilt does not come from God. Evil conscience is what they had in the Old Testament. Because they didn't know right from wrong, that's why they had the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments showed up a long time after God was on the scene to let people know, don't do this and do that. So... I had two buddies when I was a federal agent, and one was brought up Orthodox Jew and the other was devout Catholic. And those two would argue and fight over all the time whose mama could lay on a bigger guilt trip, Catholic guilt or Jewish guilt. But you know why? Because those two sects are always looking to do their checklist. Okay? 
And if you don't do enough on the checklist, then you feel guilty about it. That isn't how God works. Okay? And I'll show you this right now. Hebrews 10. Flip over to Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Look at this. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When you get born again, when you accept Jesus, He washes away the voice of guilt. Never comes from God. If you're feeling guilty about something, you can rest assured God has nothing to do with it because He will not guilt you into anything. Impossible for Him to do it. Impossible. All right. Let's go to... uh, Then we saw there were six conditions of a good conscience. We're working our way down this list. Pure, defiled, weak, strong, seared or calloused and tender. Now, pure, we'll just do a quick review on this. I don't think we can go over this too many times because this is so big, guys. If you can hear your conscience... Listen, everything that... Every problem that I have in my life goes back to because I violated my conscience. I didn't listen to what my spirit was telling me to do. Every problem. So if I can hear my con- if I can train my mind, that's what we're doing tonight, is training our mind to hear the voice of our spirits, and then we go and we do what our spirit is telling us, we will never, ever have a problem. There won't, it, it won't happen. Because your spirit will never trick you. It will never put you in a trap. Your spirit will never lead you to the wrong place. Because that's the part that's talking to God, and God won't do that. All right, so pure conscience is this. It's clean, clear. It's to prune so as to bear f- fruit purified by fire, free from corrupt desire, sincere, genuine, free from every admixture of what is false and free from guilt. And then we saw this. The number one way to defile your conscience, there's a lot of ways, but the number one way is to lie. And we weren't talking about the dog ate my homework lie. Anything that is not the truth is a lie, and the Word of God is truth. So if you don't say what the Word says, you're telling a lie. That's big. Because if the Word says by Jesus' stripes you're healed, and then you say, well, that healing stuff ain't for me, now you're lying. Because it's not the truth. Whether you believe it or not, it's still a lie. Because healing is real. And it's already for us. Well, why is that a big deal? Listen, when you lie, you don't say what the Word says about you, or even if you tell a lie like the dog ate my homework, what happens is you shut down your ability for your mind to hear the voice of your spirit. And that's the part that hears from God. And faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God or the voice of God. And if you shut down your ability to hear the voice of God, you're in a heap of trouble. Because you can't be in faith. You cannot have real faith. You can have fake faith or imitation faith, and you can confess the Word all you want, but if you've already defiled your conscience, it'll never work for you. You can't believe it because you told a lie. You can't believe your own Word. All right. Romans 13 and verse 14, we had Paul gave us a prescription how to keep our conscience pure. He said this daily. First thing is you do this every day because you put your clothes on every day. He said this, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's number one. So every day you get up, you say, you know, I'm Jesus, I'm putting you on just like my jeans. Number two, it's my favorite. Make no provision for indulging the flesh. So if you've got a problem with Oreo cookies, I love Oreo cookies. If you've got a problem with Oreo cookies and Oreo cookies is sinning to you, you're addicted to Oreo cookies and Oreo cookies, then don't buy any Oreo cookies. Don't have any Oreo cookies in your house. Don't shove them under your mattress. Don't put them in your underwear drawer. Wherever your little secret stash is, don't provide yourself a way to get Oreo cookies. And then don't hang out with other people that will offer you Oreo cookies. And don't go to any parties where they're serving Oreo cookies. And this time of year, or Christmas cooking. Okay? Because if you can't handle it, you be ooey gooey butter cookies. All right. And number three, it says, 
put a stop to thinking about whatever your evil cravings are of your physical nature to gratify its desires and lusts. So when the first thought comes, first thought of ooey-gooey butter cookies, I've got to stop it. Shh. I'm thinking about Sports Center right then or whatever, whatever, you're, whatever it'll get you distracted. PlayStation 2, Xbox, I don't care, whatever. If you, you um, ooey-gooey butter cookies. Nope, stop right then. Because if you keep thinking about it, next thing you know, I'm going to be down at Cheryl's house begging her to make ooey-gooey butter cookies, and then I'll be eating them. Seriously. So you've got to put a stop to it when the first thought comes. And you've got to physically, so a lot of times you have to talk. Listen, you can't think and talk at the same time. You can think of something else, but you talk and you say what the Word says, you'll stop thinking about whatever it was that you were thinking. We'll do an experiment, right? Everybody in your mind, close your eyes, close your eyes. Start counting back from 100. In your mind, 100, 99, 98. Now everybody, open your eyes and say your name. Where, where, where's your count? Anybody remember? 95. Did you stop counting when you talked? Yeah, you had to. You can't keep counting when you talk. So here's a good way to stop the thought. Start talking. Say what the Word says. All right, let's move on. Defiled conscience. Defiled is uh, if you pollute, sully, contaminate, or stain, or violate it. Look, Titus 1. We saw this. Here's this downward, there's a spiraling downward cycle that'll get you just totally messed up. Titus 1 and verse 14, it says this. Not giving heed to Jewish fables or the commandments of men, that's religion, that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Now, we talked about this last week. Paul said that the Lord Jesus persuaded him that there was not one unclean thing on the planet unto itself. So if you've got a pure conscience, there's not one thing on the planet that's not pure to you. Nothing. But then look. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, that means disgusted, and disobedient, and to every good work a reprobate, and that means castaway. Here's what happens. You defile your conscience, you tell a lie. The very next thing that happens is you get out of faith. You're in unbelief. You start doubting. Well, I don't know if this word stuff's true. Well, how, why do you start doubting? Because you just said something that didn't line up with the word. When you tell a lie, it's not the truth, you'll start to get doubts. I don't know. Then the next thing that happens is, look, guilt will come. How do you know it's guilt, Andrew? Because it says in works they deny God. Guilt will always make you do something. It'll always try. That's why people use guilt to try and get you to do something. Nobody ever, nobody ever guilted you into staying home in bed and doing nothing, did they? I think I, I, they don't. They're trying to get you to do. That's what guilt does. So it's trying to get you to work to do something. So what happens is, once you told that lie, now your you doubts come. You start doing your checklists. That's all you got left because now you're feeling guilty. Then what happens is you become disgusted. You know why? When you just because you wear yourself out. Doing your checklist, doing your checklist. Life just keeps getting yucky. I don't see the good words not happening for me. I'm not getting any richer. I mean, I'm get, I don't see myself getting. I don't feel any better. My relationships aren't getting any better. Oh, I'm stuck in this dead end job. I don't know what's going. I'm just disgusted with the whole thing. That's what happens. You get disgusted with life. The next thing is you're disobedient. You just say, forget it, God. I'm out of here. You don't, your word don't work. Why would you let all this stuff happen if you were real? Now you're in disobedience. And the last thing says you're a castaway. And then it says it doesn't matter what kind of good work you can do, you're a castaway. Even if you did all the good stuff on the planet, you could have saved 10 million people from uh, a tsunami. and when it, it doesn't matter. You're still a castaway. They had to fight for food. you got to fight for clothes. It's not fun. Everything's scrapping. Scrapping for life. Well, that ain't riches, honor, and life. We know that God's will is riches, honor, and life. That's why we don't want to defile our conscience, because you just downward spiral. Okay? Look in Galatians 6. We're getting there, guys. 
We'll get to the good stuff here. I mean, it's all good, but the new stuff. Galatians 6 in the Amplified. Now, anybody ever ask, what is spiritual? Oh, that person's spiritual. Well, they ain't spiritual. I always wondered what was spiritual, right? Growing up, and I grew up in a Baptist church, and I found out, I thought the preacher and the deacons were spiritual, and then I went to the church softball games. And I found out them guys ain't spiritual. Boy, the, um, the umpire gave one wrong call. Ooh, look out, buddy. I heard, you know, nicer language in the Marine Corps boot camp. But anyway, here, look at the Bible. It tells us what's spiritual. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are, those who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit or your conscience, should set him straight. So here's a spiritual person. You respond to and you're controlled by the voice of your spirit. You just hear what your spirit says and then you do that one. And that's really what a strong conscience is. But look here, before we get to strong, because we finished up there last week, a weak conscience. This is where most of the body of Christ is, is a weak conscience. They're born again, yep. They're, you know, but uh, weak, weak. I don't know why you say that, Andrew, because look, you know what weak means? It means this, without strength, they're feeble, they're powerless, and they're needy. I know tons of people that sat under the Word for years and years and years but could never seem to get victory. They have no strength to get victory in their life. They're just pitiful, 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 pitiful. After years of sitting under the Word, why? Because their conscience is weak. Listen, you could, because remember it said, don't just hear the Word, but do it. Weak conscience is people that hear. They hear and hear and hear and hear and hear. You can listen to all the CDs you want. You can listen to every minister on TV. You could take notes. But if you don't do the Word, you have a weak conscience. You hear it, but you don't do it. Hear it, but don't do it. How about, you know, powerless people? They're powerless to fight any addiction or habit. They're stuck in the same old sin or work of the flesh. It gets them every time. It doesn't have to be just alcohol or drugs. It could be, you know, temper. It could be cheating. It could be whatever. It could be Oreo cookies. Remember, weak people, people who have a weak conscience, they hear, but they don't do it. But that could be in any sporting event, too. Any, think of any team you have. If you've got a guy and you're training them and they hear what the coach tells them to do, but then they don't do it, that's a weak link on the team. That guy just cost your team because he heard, but he didn't do. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says this, Now we exhort you, or we build you up, brethren. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded and support the weak. Be patient towards all men. See, don't, don't give up on anybody. Support the weak. And I said this before. In the Marine Corps, right, we're only as strong as the weakest link. If we had a guy on a forced march that's falling back, I can't leave him. So what do we do? We support him. I start taking his pack. Somebody else gets his rifle. Somebody else starts trying to drag him along. We'll do that to you. But how many know I wasn't saying, oh, it's okay, baby, while I was carrying his 80-pound pack? Mm-mm. I was yelling at him, you better get up, you better find some fortitude and start doing what you were trained to do. You better reach down deep and get some. Don't be whining and crying on me. So we'll do that to you. We'll make, we won't let you die. We won't let you stay in sickness. We won't let you stay in poverty. But we're also not going to carry your pack for you the rest of your life. Because we wouldn't be doing you any kind of favor. All right. Now we've left off here, well, strong conscience. This is where we left off. Strong conscience. 1 Corinthians 16. In verse 13, we want to be strong, right? Is there anybody here that does not want to be strong in life? Nobody. Okay, so we all want to be strong. Here's how. It says, watch you stand fast in the faith, quit you like men and be strong. 
Let all your things be done with love. Well, that's great, Paul. How do we do that? You're telling us be strong, act like a man, stand fast in the faith. How? Look at this in 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. It says, humble yourselves. Doesn't that stink? You want to be strong, you've got to be humble. Well, see, now we always have this kind of kooky thing about what humble means. It doesn't mean you're all just doing... Uh, humble just means this. You hear what God tells you to do and then you do it. That's it. You hear and you do. If you're weak, you hear and you don't do. If you want to be strong, you just hear and do. That's why we want to keep our spirit. That's why we guard our heart. Why? Why? Because that's how I can hear God's voice. And if I stop hearing God's voice, then I can't do what He's telling me. Okay? Now, weak people, they hear God's voice, but they don't do it. Now, if God will tell you to do the same thing over and over again about five or six times like I do with my kids. Right? I'll tell them, do that. They don't do it. Do that. Did you clean your room? Clean your room. Until they go do it. Now, if they just absolutely disobey, they would not do it and they just check out, I'm not going to talk to them anymore. God won't keep telling you the same. He'll just stop talking. He won't. So you won't get any new stuff to do. If you just oh, totally disobey, you just disregard whatever he's telling you to do and you don't do it, he'll stop telling you what to do. He will. He'll just be like, all right, well, whatever. When you do get around to cleaning your room, then we'll talk. Whatever the last thing he told you to do, you need to go do that one because he's not going to give you any new stuff to do if you're not doing the last stuff he told you. Here's an example. We tell Drew he's got piano lessons. You're not watching TV till you play piano. Okay, another hour goes by. Can I watch TV? Did you play piano? No. Well, then what's the answer? No. Right. See, even you guys get it. And I only went through it one time with you all. I didn't have to go through five or six times. That's how it is with God. Okay? It's the same thing. Because he's, he's our father. And we are like kids. Boy, there's some 90-year-old kids running around out there today. All right, but look, it says, Humble yourselves, that's hear and do, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The devil seeks the weak. Listen to me. He seeks the weak. If you, if you hear God and you don't do his voice, you've got a big giant target on you. He he's, runs around as a, as a roaring lion. Let me Anybody ever see the Lion King? Do lions hunt other lions? No. Lions don't go hunting other lions. They hunt like wildebeests and hyenas and whatnot. So if you're strong, okay, the devil's not going to come after you because if you're a lion and he's trying to act like a lion, he ain't going to, he don't want to tangle with a lion. He seeks the weak, seeking whom he may devour. He's going to seek after the weak person. Okay? Then look what it says. Whom, they're talking about the devil, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You cannot resist. Resistance is futile. You ever hear that? I'm a Star Trek fan. Resistance is futile. The board. If you're weak, resistance is futile. The devil will kick your butt all over the planet. Why? Because you don't do. You hear, but you don't do. Resistance. So you cannot, it says, whom resists steadfast in the faith? If you're not steadfast in the faith, you've got no shot at resisting. That's resisting sickness, resisting poverty, resisting bad relationships, destruction, hurt, at, uh, adversity, calamity. You can't resist any of that if you're weak. Now, see that word where it says steadfast in the faith? 
We've seen every time you see the faith, you're going to see this. And we just read it a couple minutes ago. The faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There's two kinds of word of God out there. There's logos. Listen, there's logos, the written word, and there's rhema, the spoken word. When we talk about conscience, I'm talking about you hearing the rhema, the spoken word of God in your spirit. Here's the faith. The faith is logos plus rhema. That's steadfast in the faith. If you want to be in the faith, that means you hear the, the written word of God and you have faith, and you hear the rhema, spoken word of God in your own heart, and that brings faith. And if you don't have those two things working for you, you cannot be in the faith. It's a total package. Well, why is that a big deal? Because now look what we're doing. Seared conscience. Seared conscience. This is huge. Because this is what happens. Seared means this. To carterize. Now, I went, I went to uh, the dermatologist a couple years ago, and you know, I had like a mole or something. And they take this freezer spray, and they go, man, it's really freezing cold, and then the thing just drops off. Like a chunk of my skin. I'm like, what are you doing? That's carterizing. Either with really cold stuff or really hot stuff. Look what else. It says to destroy tissue by applying extreme heat or cold or a caustic substance. That's like acid. And it deadens the feelings, makes it insensitive, or to callous. And I did that in the Marine Corps. We, we did forced marches everywhere. So what happens at the bottom of your feet, you get blisters. So after about six months of that, then you get calluses. And I still got giant calluses on the bottom of my... I mean, you could stick a needle, probably three... I mean, you just shove it right in there. I wouldn't feel it because there's so much dead skin there. And I, I got out of the Marine Corps like... 15 years ago. So you you can callous something and deaden its feeling and it'll last a really, really long time. Seriously. And it re and if you were cut that cut that dead skin off, how do you know that would hurt? Now what's that got to do with us in conscience? You starting to... Okay, you starting to get the picture? People will con violate and violate and violate and violate their conscience. And it might be in one area and not another. Somebody might have a problem with lying, but not have a problem with drug abuse. Somebody might have a problem with, you know, fornication, but not have a problem with temper. But why is it a problem? Because you keep violating your conscience in a certain area until you deaden your conscience. You will callous it. Now listen, to carterize, if I was going to carterize my voice, because conscience is the voice of your spirit... I take like a hot iron and shove it down my throat and burn my voice box so it does, I can't talk anymore. That would be to carterize my... Well, I'm serious. Now listen, does that mean I don't have anything to say on the inside of me? I, am I, no, I'm still alive. I still have thoughts. This is what you're doing to your spirit when you, when you callous, you sear your conscience. What you do is you make it so that your, conscience, your spirit can't talk anymore. It, it has all kind of stuff to say. It's still talking to God, God's, but you have carterized your vo the voice box of your spirit. So your spirit can't talk anymore. It's got stuff to tell you, but it can't because what you did is you calloused it. You seared it. Well, why is that a bad deal? Because look what happens. Turn to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly. This is the Holy Spirit talking expressly. Man, he, man he's, listen to this because this is the Spirit speaking expressly. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. The faith is what? The Logos Word working for you and the Rhema Word of God working for you. That means you're, you're studying the Word, written Word, and you're also hearing the voice of God in your spirit. When you carterize or you sear your conscience, you can no longer hear the voice of God, the Rhema Word. 
There's people that will still be in church. Oh, they love the Word, the written Word, and they got faith for the written Word, but it never works in their life because they have seared their conscience, and now they have departed from the faith. They're working under imitation faith or feigned faith. It's not real. This is the answers for you. If you're not seeing your faith work, you better look and see what areas you you defiled your conscience, and is it gone to the point where you have seared your conscience, where you can no longer hear it? Some will depart from the faith. Giving heed, others will give heed to seducing spirits. Well, what does that mean? Um, anybody ever been to a, a concert that's not a Christian concert? Do y'all, okay. I, I'll tell you, um, probably showing my age, Led Zeppelin. Ever hear, anybody listen to Led Zeppelin or Stairway to Heaven or whatever? Okay. There is an anointing on that song. It is a seducing spirit. It's not the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. Everything that is anointed is not God. It says there in First John four, it says there's many spirits. Try them, try the spirits, try them. It means you better find out if they, because there are there's stuff. Man, you can sense spiritual stuff. You go to a high school football game and they start chanting, you'll feel a spirit. And it's a seducing spirit, which means it'll draw you in. It'll draw in the very elect. They'll think it's God. Let me th- let me let me mess with some minds here. Do you know that there's church? Uh, turn to turn to John four, verse twenty three. This is Jesus talking. The hour will come, and it is now, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit, small s, and truth. That's your heart. So you got two things. Your spirit, your spirit, and the truth. That's the Word. There's churches in the body of Christ today. They're worshiping, and it is not... People go, oh, it's so anointed. No, it is not. It is not God. Because they're worshiping... There'll be two things. Worshiping out of their soul. They're not worshiping out of their spirit. Listen to me. There's mainline denominations. They worship out of their intellect. We have the liturgy. We read the hymnal. We're worshiping out of our intellect. Then we've got the Holy Roller Churches where we've got the pom-poms and the waving and oh, it's so, what a great show. No, we're worshiping out of our emotions. It's soul worship. It is not the Spirit. It is not true worship. It is not anointed from the Spirit of God. There is a Spirit in there, but it ain't God. Seriously. Two things have to be present for it to be true worship. The Word, the truth. Not some kooky religious doctrine or whatever you're spinning, okay? And then the second thing is you've got to be worshiping out of your spirit. If you have seared your conscience, you cannot worship God truly. And if you can't worship God, then you cut yourself off from the truth as well. And that's a, the truth is your lifeblood. If you don't have the Word, we've got nothing. That's both, both sides of the Word, Logos and Rhema. I know most of the body of Christ, they focus, if they even focus on the Word, it's on Logos and Rhema. Well, that's been done away with. No, no, it hasn't. And you're worshiping out of your soul, either your mind or your emotions, but you're not truly worshiping. There's stuff out there that, yeah, you can feel a spirit. It is not the Holy Spirit. Well, how will we know? That's why you've got to keep your conscience pure. Because it's only your spirit only hears one voice. That's God. It only hears the Holy Spirit. So you better be tied into that one. Because there is some really kooky, crazy... And then we're in the last days, it's going to step up. 
spiritual activity is going to step up. Man, you can watch any any Cartoon Network show. It's all kooky, mysticism. It's magic. Why are they feeding our kids that? Because we're getting ready just so that it's commonplace when kooky, weird stuff happens. It's on big shows too. That's why we have Medium and all of these, you know, ghosts. I mean, they're all they're out there. Movies. You know what they're doing? They're desensitizing us to where the spirit is not supernatural anymore. Spiritual or supernatural stuff doesn't bother us. It's commonplace. And they're dumbing us down. And we're going to get people who are always looking for the spiritual. They're not looking for God. They're looking for that woo. And there's a lot of that out there, and it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, I, I mean, guys, because I don't care what music you listen to. I don't listen to all just Christian music. But be careful. Because every song, every, you know what the devil's number one job was? Lucifer's number one job was? He was in charge of worship before he fell. Do you know that he can do praise and worship songs better than we can? He has built in, it said in Ezekiel 28, look, he's got built in instruments. He's like a one man band. Okay? So Lucifer, he's, and he says he'll show himself as an angel of light. The truth isn't in him. He'll quote the word. Man, he can quote the word. He was using it on Jesus, but the truth's not in him. It's a lie to him. It's not true. Listen, and there's tons of folks that are sucked into this. And we call it church. Man, be careful. I don't know how I got off on that. Then look at this. Then there's the doctrines of devils. See, we think you think that that's like, you know, witch doctor and voodoo? No. You know what a doctrine of the devil is? Oh, that's speaking in tongues is of the devil. That's a doctrine of the devil. Oh, healing ain't for today. Oh, that died with the apostles. There's no miracles now. That's a doctrine of the devil. Anything that's set up to rob you of what God has for you, that's from the devil because he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's anything a doctrine of the devil. It's easy to spot. If it takes away from riches, honor, and life, that's why we drive that home. Riches, honor, and life. It's not one of those things. three things. It's the doctrine of the devil. It's real simple. And if you ever hear that stuff coming out of my mouth, run away from here fast. Seriously, I don't care what man ever said. If it doesn't line up with the word, run from that person. Uh, I don't, man, just run. Now look what's next in verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. This word hypocrisy means to act a role. You're an actor. Or we could say it like this. Speaking lines in hypocrisy. Because if you're acting a role, what do actors do? They say their lines. I know tons of folks, and Christians, this is what really burns a lot of people that are lost. Oh, they're hypocrites over there. You could say the word. I mean, the devil said word. He could say the word better than you can anyway. He'd been around a whole lot longer. He'd been studying it since it was written. It's a lie and hypocrisy for him because he'll act a role as an angel in light. And you, if you've seared your conscience, you could be saying the word all you want, confessing it all you want. It's a lie. You're speaking a lie and hypocrisy because who you really are, you've already seared your conscience. You've already shut down who you really are. It doesn't have a voice anymore because you've taking that hot iron down the, you know, and cleaned out your voice box of your spirit. So whatever you say that in your spirit, that's not who you really are. So it's a lie. It says, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now turn to Hebrews 3. It says this in Hebrews 3 and verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith... Who's saying? Oh, so... Listen up, because we're fixing to get faith. This is Rhema. If he's talking, the Holy Spirit's talking. He says, Today, if you'll hear His voice, harden not your heart. That means don't sear your conscience. Harden not your heart, as in the provocation in the day of temptation or trials in the wilderness. He's talking about the children of Israel. 
says, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and they saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart because they have not known my ways. They saw huge miracles and they still, time after time after time, they said, oh, I don't know how we're going to make it. Oh, why did we get them here? Oh, that we would have died in Egypt. What they're doing is searing their conscience. Why is that? A, see where it says they hardened their hearts? Listen to me. You have a choice. If you harden your heart, there's not one thing I can do about it. I could pray all I want. I could take authority over the devil I want. I could fast. I could. You know what? If you harden your heart, there's not one thing anybody can do about it, including God. Well, what do we do about that person? Well, buckle up. Hang on. Verse nine. Verse ten. Oh, we already read that. Go to verse eleven. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. That was the promised land. They wouldn't get their inheritance. Our inheritance is riches, honor, and life. If you've seared your conscience, you cannot live. You will not. You will not. Listen to me. You will never have, if you sear your conscience, riches, honor, and life. You can't have it. Don't, don't say, well, well, God, how come it ain't working for me? Because if you've seared your conscience, you have no shot at it. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you. He ain't talking to us. He's talking to us. Take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Listen, if you, here we go. We've got the Logos and the Rhema Word going, and God's telling me, go over here. Now, if God says, stop and turn left, and I'm like, oh, I love the Word, I love the Word. Now, God's over there. I'll, he's staying there waiting for me to turn left. I'm departing from Him because I'm not listening to the Rhema Word anymore. You're departing from God. He didn't leave you. You left Him. If you feel like you're not feeling the presence of God or whatever... He, he didn't leave you. It's impossible for him to leave you. You better check up and find out where you turned left when he turned right. You left him. But exhort one another in verse 13 daily. There's that daily thing again. While it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, sin, man, it'll trick you. You'll say this, oh, I got it under control. This ain't hurting anybody. It's just two Oreo cookies. It's not like I'm eating a hundred of them. It's not hurting anybody, two Oreo cookies. If it's sin for you, it's sin. It's a lie. Because two will lead to three next week, which will lead to seven, which you know, then you'll be eating your ten million and you'll be dead. It's a lie. Sin will trick you. He's, be careful because it will harden your heart. Why is that a big deal? Turn to First John 5 and we'll finish this up here. First John 5 and verse 12, it says, He that hath the Son has life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may have eternal life, or may, that you may know that you have eternal life, so you have it now, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And here's God's will. The Logos Word and the Rhema Word. If you don't get both of those things together, you don't know what His will is for your life. You've got to know both of them. You have to know both of them or else you won't know what His will is. And then look, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions of Him that we desire. He'll give you anything you ask as long as you know what His will is for you. That's Logos and Rhema. If you sear your conscience, you're praying it ain't going any higher than the ceiling. Skip it. Sleep in. Do somebody a favor. That way you won't be grouchy tomorrow. Just reading the Bible. Verse 16, if any man sees his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he'll give him life for the sin that is not a sin unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. You mean there's a sin unto death? Yes. 
You can sear your conscience and get into sin and God will take you off the planet. You will die young. Look at me like, what? And then he says, don't pray for it. Now, in my house, I, I had some relatives. They would come over. Somebody didn't do something they'd like. Man, they would they, they pray for God to kill them. Oh, either restore them or kill them, God. He said, don't pray that. Don't pray that God, don't pray that the sin would take them off the planet. Okay, so there is a sin unto death. Somebody torched you. Don't pray that God would take them off the planet, okay? Why did he tell us that? Because there's dumb people that will do it. But look, verse 18. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Well, what are you talking about, Andrew? Listen, unrighteous, the, righteousness is riches, honor, and life. That's your covenant. Anything that is not riches, honor, and life is sin. He said that's a sin that's not unto death. God won't, you will not die. You can be born again and be poor. You can be born again and be sick. You can be born again and have bad relationships, and you won't die. That's not a sin unto death. Everybody see that? Okay. So this, that'll answer a question. Well, how can people, you know, be sinning and searing their conscience? Well, because look, he says, and we know that whosoever is born of God sins not, or that's, sins not means continually or perpetually sins or settles. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself or guards his heart that the wicked one touches him not. Now flip over to Hebrews 6. We'll explain this sin unto death. And who does that, who does that, uh, who does that get? Hebrews 6 and 4. Now, if I was y'all, I'd be listening because I want to find out if I'm sinning unto death because I know y'all y'all are sinning. <laughs> we do. Don't act like, oh, no, I never. I do too. <gasps> the preacher sins. Yeah, I'm just man enough to tell you I do blow it. Hebrews 6 and verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to open shame. This is somebody who sears their conscience to sin unto death. Four things. Four things. If they've enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift, you're born again. That's the first level. You've got to be born again. And the next thing is you're a partaker of the Holy Ghost. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you sear your conscience. Next thing is, you've tasted the good word of God. That's meat and not milk. You've been coming here for more than a month. You've been getting meat and not milk. Seriously. And then what? And the powers of the world to come. That is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine of them. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, right? Tongues, interpretation, prophecy, healings, miracles, and special faith. If you've had any of those operate in your life, if you're born again, you've been filled with the Spirit, you've sat under the Word at any period of time, and you've been healed, or you've had somebody prophesy over you and it was real, you're a candidate for the sin unto death. Not talking about baby Christians, because God will cut them slack. says it'll be impo- if it's impossible that they would fall away to renew them again unto repentance. If you have done all these four things and then you have seared your conscience and in one area, it doesn't matter what area of life it is, and it's impossible for you to repent, do, does that mean and you won't repent? Whatever it is, it, whatever your Oreo cookie thing is that you've seared your conscience in, does that mean you're not born again? Do, well, can you lose your salvation? No. It means is God will take you off the planet. He will kill you so that he could save your spirit. That thing that you seared, remember that you shoved the hot iron down there so it couldn't talk anymore? Turn to 1 Corinthians 5. See, you know why this is a big deal? 
Because if you've already been born again and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you've had the meat of the Word and you've had the gifts of the Spirit, you've tasted of the power of God, it says that you crucified Jesus again and again and again and again and again and you put Him to shame. You just keep crucifying Him again. It's like He got nailed to that cross every time that you go willfully go do that again and again and you have seared your conscience. Look in 1 Corinthians 5. We are finishing up. Verse 1. And I'll show you. This is what happens to somebody that sears their conscience. And what, what do we do as a church about it? We don't get mad at you. And we don't, we don't pray that God will kill you. But this is what the Apostle Paul said we'll do. It says, It's reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication that is not even named among the Gentiles. He said, It ain't even on Jerry Springer it's so bad. It said that one should have his father's wife. Here's a guy knocking boots with his stepmom. What are you kidding me? This is in the church. Then look what happens. And you're puffed up about it. They're all high-fiving each other at the men's meeting. And you have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you? No, you're high-fiving each other. What is wrong with you people? He said, For verily, as absent in the body but present in spirit, I've already judged as though I were present concerning this thing that he's done. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the next time you're gathered together with my spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ... Deliver such as one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Just reading the Bible. You're actually helping somebody out. Now, by turning them over to have their flesh destroyed, does God destroy them? No. Who does? Satan. So that your spirit may be saved. That thing that you seared. That thing that you, you know, shut down a long time ago that you don't even listen to, that you bottled up. That's the real you with the deceitfulness of sin. Or you could have been you know, sucked in by a seducing spirit or a doctrine of a devil. Or you just departed from the faith. You stopped hearing and doing. And you stop hearing and doing long enough, it says you've got a seared conscience departing from the faith. This is a priority. It should be a priority. Seriously, this isn't a game. This is life and death, guys. This thing with God, this, this whole covenant business, it ain't, we're not playing church here. It's real. It's real. I, Matt, you guys got time for a story or two? Seriously, I knew a guy. He man, he was a an anointed minister of God, international in scope. He was a homosexual. No, people were getting healed, and as long as he was fighting it, God cut him slack in His mercy, and he fought it, and he fought it, and he fought it for at least eight to fifteen years. That I know, could be longer. At the second that he gave himself over to it and completely shut down the voice of his spirit, that was serious, taking that hot iron in there and shutting down the voice, the second he gave himself over to it, it all came apart. Full-blown AIDS within a matter of like two weeks. That doesn't happen. AIDS takes a long time to get full-blown. He had one T-cell left in his body. I don't even know what that means, but I know he did. That means he's about to die, guys. If you watch ER. He called out to God and he repented. So it wasn't impossible for him to repent, but if he didn't repent, because he had been born again, he had been filled with the Holy Ghost, he had the meat of the Word, because he was given it, and he also had tasted of the powers of the Word against the Holy Spirit. Now he cried out to God, he did repent. God healed him of that. AIDS. Absolute miracle. The last time I heard it was about... 98 or 99, he was doing okay. I don't know where he's at since then. 
This is real. I know another guy who, and this is a lay person, not a minister. Given to drunkenness. Not reveling and partying. He medicated himself all the time. Died on the way home from a bar one night. Born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, meat of the Word, tasted of the powers of the world to come. Not a minister. Just a guy coming home from work who stopped off at the bar again to medicate himself. Why? Because he seared his conscience. That's how it was. You could do anything. People, people can do it. You're capable of doing anything. If you shut down, you're born again people. You shut down the voice of your spirit. If you, t- you carterize your spirit so that it can't talk to you, it's almost like being not born again. The only way you can fix that is to repent of it. Really, just get on your face and cry out to God and say, man, help me. Remember when we talked about the prodigal son a couple months ago and said he came to himself? So that guy was a son. He was, a, he was the, the guy that was living with the pigs. He was a Christian. He was a son. There was two sons. Not until he came to himself. If he didn't come to himself, he would have died there with the pigs. Coming to yourself, that's repentance. You can't make somebody come to themselves. I don't care if you're 18 or you're 90. Nobody can make you come to yourself. Don't harden your heart. Don't sear your conscience, guys. Don't shut down the voice of hearing the rhema word of God. Don't. When you hear what he's telling you to do, do it immediately. S- stay soft and tender. We'll talk about that next week, how to stay tender. This is life and death. It's serious. See, I'm all in with God. I ain't playing, I ain't playing church and I'm not playing with God. If I, I don't forget that. You know, if I... It, if I'm just playing, I might as well just go to Vegas and, you know, leave my wife and kids and just go enjoy, you know, all the stuff that the world has to offer. There's no half in and half out. You'll be miserable. You either get in or you get out. That's what Jesus said. He said, hot or cold, no lukewarm. I'll spit you out. Hot or cold? I'm going hot. I'm all in. It's like Texas Hold'em. All my chips are on the table. God could do what he wants with them. They're all in. All right? Stand to your feet with me.